0: Salamu Alaikum and welcome to another episode on Muslims of the Melting Pot. As the ongoing devastating events are unfolding in Palestine, today we are featuring Palestinian stories. Total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States.
1: Because it's the That's only it. religion that acts like the mafia. They're not immigrants. They're, they're invaders. Let they're me finish!
0: This clash of civilizations. And if they're not going to learn to assimilate, I don't want them in this country. But hold up! that's not really who we are. Perhaps the American melting pot model is not an accurate depiction of the true Muslim American experience. And perhaps the goal is not to mix. But if it isn't, then what really is? To assimilate or not to assimilate? That's the question. I'm your host, Sarah Salimi, and you are watching Muslims of the Melting Pot. Sara Ibrahim is my guest today. She is a public health student in Washington, D.C., and her roots are Palestinian. Her parents are from Gaza and Jaffa, and she has lost to share about her personal thoughts and feelings about everything that is going on at a time when mainstream media refuses to feature Palestinian stories. Thank you, Sarah, for being another one of my guests on the podcast. I'm really happy to have you. I know this is a really tough time uh, for you and your family, especially. You have, you know, kind of a very personal connection to everything that's going on, not just in the past two, three weeks, but in the past seven decades. So what I really want to do is, I often find that. Palestinian voices and personal stories are missing. Every time something like this comes up in the media, it's always politicians jumping in, world leaders, you know, regional leaders, and sometimes in the midst of all the chaos, we really miss coming back to stories from those who have really who have roots in that land and really what's going on because I think they are the biggest proof and the biggest testament to what's really happening. So I want to start with your experience. First of all, how are you feeling? How are you and your family feeling about everything?
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, Honestly, whenever anyone asks the question, all I can say is alhamdulillah for everything. It's been very difficult to see all that's happening, especially having family in Gaza and trying to communicate with my family about it. We've all been glued to the news. And, of course, this isn't something that just started in the past few weeks. It's been like this constantly, but, of course, it's rammed up recently. Um, you know, it's been 75 years of an occupation. Um, the whole history of Israel started with ethnic cleansing and genocide. gaza has been under a blockade for 16 years without, with very limited access to electricity and fuel and water. Alhamdulillah for everything. And, um, you know, Allah always knows best. So. I have to just trust in his plan.
0: Is your family okay? Are they safe right now there?
1: So for the family in Gaza, because my, my mother's side is from Yaffa and they were all eth- ethnically cleansed in 1948. Um, last I heard was honestly a few days ago. I think for now, alhamdulillah, they're not safe, but still alive. Uh, I had Most of my family was living in the north. Um, a few of them decided to evacuate. A few of them decided to stay. But there's really nowhere safe. When people were told to go to the border, go to Rahaf, they were bombed, they bombed the, the border crossing when they were told to go to the south, they started bombing the south and the route to the south. At this point, just praying that they stay alive and that they're able to free Palestine inshallah. How
0: would you say that Palestinians right now, both those who are, you know, the diaspora here in the west, as well as, you know, back home, are they viewing this differently? Is this Is this time, is it really different? Do they have hope and how are they, do they think it's just another recurring violence um, that happens to them over and over again? How are they kind of interpreting all of this?
1: So between here and back home, I think the sentiments are the same. There's the, there's two emotions of a lot of hope and also a lot of fear and dread and not knowing what's to come. The Arab people, honestly, the hope comes from seeing the masses come out in support of Palestine seeing the Arab people, not just the Arab people, people all over the world protesting in support of Palestine and Palestine's right to defend itself, resist occupation and not be slaughtered like animals as the Israelis described. So seeing all the protesters come out in Jordan in Lebanon, um, 300,000 protesters in London, I think even in the Philippines and Mexico, all over the world, there have been huge marches for Palestine with tens of thousands of people that aren't really being seen and distributed in the mainstream media. Of course, alhamdulillah, there's social media and this unjustified reply from Israel. None of it would be justified, especially because they are the aggressor. But their genocide of the people in Gaza and it being displayed across social media is showing that they're losing the propaganda war and it's changing a lot of people's minds. And I think that is also giving people hope is that the rhetoric is now changing around the issue. Around the occupation, exactly. around the blockade, around the settler colonialism, which is Israel. Um, we are seeing a lot of people who were entrenched in Zionism and Zionist societies start to question the narrative and saying, I'm seeing dead corpses and babies being pulled out of the rubble. And this goes against everything that I was taught, with my, like, taught in a, a society that was told me to basically um, stand with Israel no matter what and support Israel no matter what um absolutely so I think the hope comes from that but of course it's so hard to see these images and it just feels like a lot of the governments aren't changing but alhamdulillah at least the people are now showing their support and getting very angry with their governments uh, and i think that's starting to scare the regimes in the region and around the world especially absolutely. now with the state department too we're seeing a lot of dissent um, people quitting over how the administration is handling it. Even within the White House, there's a lot of um, people disagreeing yeah. with how the administration, how Congress and the Senate are handling it.
0: Absolutely. you're And you're absolutely right. I think this time we might have seen really the biggest outpour of people and one thing that I mean when you said it I was actually made me hopeful because I think one thing a lot of like for example non-Palestinians think is that oh when we show up to protests or when we call out people who are supporting you know um, an occupation and a genocide we're actually you know not really doing anything it's like what's the point but you know I think my question is does this have any ripple effects so people who are doing these things know that it's accomplishing something What do you think that accomplishment is, even if we're not directly able to make a
1: direct impact? I think it is important to partake in these actions, to show that there's a different narrative and a different side, whether it be on social media or maybe amongst your friends, and trying to educate the people in your circles who you know would be receptive to it, of course. I would not want anyone to try and argue with an ultra right-wing Zionist, because that's just a waste of your energy. But I think it is important, and it's scaring the regimes and the establishment to show that the people are really in support of Palestine and do not support um, the decisions that are being made with their money. That you know, the U.S. gives two point eight billion dollars of yeah of our tax dollars every year to just military funding just military funding for, the, for Israel. There's so much more money that pours into Israel from our government and from um, right-wing Christians in the U.S. Honestly, the evangelical Christians are the number one donors to Israel. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and then also with the $100 billion aid package that Biden asked for, for both the Ukraine and Israel, uh, I think had a lot of people questioning what, mm-hmm. is, what are the real motives behind this unwavering support? of a genocidal settler colonial state. Why when American people ask for housing and food and education, they're told no, but when a foreign regime is asking for military weapons, then it's okay. So I think posting on social media is very important. Um, I know for a lot of people, it can be very emotionally taxing, yeah.
0: Um,
1: but it is changing the narrative and it's showing, and I mean, there's a reason why META is suppressing Palestinian posts, Blinken went to Qatar to ask them to tone down the messaging of Al Jazeera because uh, the people are starting to gain consciousness and Absolutely. see that. And I, there and is, I think sorry.
0: that awakening is so important because um, mm-hmm. you mentioned obviously the misinformation and all of that but one thing we have seen a, quite a lot of this time is a lot of different propaganda being debunked and falsified and people are realizing this like people are realizing there are fake videos people are realizing there's fake information that's just like kind of being circulated around and they're like well who's the source and they're like oh it's the israeli military i mean how how is the israeli military your source when they are the aggressors right so it's like and obviously the saddest part is seeing mainstream media pick up on these stories and because millions of people already somehow have a default trust in them they don't even question what's happening so Mm -hmm. i think this time we have also seen a lot of people turning to social media because that's that's where the true voices are because you Mm -hmm. won't really find if you had palestinians like yourself or like your family or others coming and being the sources for this information as people who are experiencing what's going on firsthand you would have a very different narrative Obviously, the media narrative for the past like 75 years has been very clear in how it supports Israel, at least coming from the mm-hmm. Western side. But you also now have 75 years and plus of Palestinian experiences, Palestinians who have lived in that land and who have stories. They have like the keys to their homes still. Um, why do you think there's such a big divide? Why do you think? it's like two completely different worlds. And there's such a huge refusal to actually talk to the people who have experienced all of this.
1: From what I've seen, I think the media and those who own these corporations, or really corporations at this point, have a narrative that they want to push, um, which is usually coming top down. So I think a lot of people are questioning now how the media is portraying things and starting to question how it's been portrayed in the past for um, other such issues and how the media is used as a tool for the regime to sway the masses. But now there are other sources that are combating the narrative that has been pushed. Um, so now I think people are starting to question a lot. I've been having a lot of people ask me where they can go read other news sources that are more unbiased, Yeah. Um, but ones that are you know pretty big and accepted within the, the journalism community like Al Jazeera. Yeah, um, I think there's even TRT World News as well. Mm-hmm. Um, TMJ.
0: <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> <amount of> <laughs> Speaking about people turning to alternate forms of news, I think there are a lot of quite a few pages now that are actually documenting everything that's going on whether it's like people in on the ground in Palestine themselves or you know activists on this side who are sharing videos that are really showing a very different reality than what's being painted in the media do you think that maybe this um this specific uh situation right now is going to drive a significant amount of let's let's talk about average Americans toward maybe moving away from trusting mainstream or do you think? those who are consuming that news are just going to continue doing that kind of like the ignorance is bliss mindset.
1: I'm not sure. Honestly, um, I think when we're also talking about the average American, we have to distinguish between the age groups because I feel like we have the older generation who are very set in their ways. They're the ones who are on in these polls, still very heavily supporting Israel when we see the younger generation kind of questioning more. But I think, honestly, the younger generation have been questioning the media for a while.
0: Absolutely. Um, They've
1: been questioning a lot of the news that they see, and a lot of them get their news from social media and TikTok, um, seeing these first-hand accounts, Mm -hmm. um, learning to question a lot of the narratives that they've been told in the past. When it comes to not only Palestine, but let's say like Iraq, Iran, um, Syria, anything that has been pushed and peddled by Um, the regime in the White House and the Western world. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think we're seeing a revolutionary tide come about within the youth. And I'm questioning a lot, even though they're being taught in school with American history.
0: There are a huge presence of people, even in these countries that are seemingly very pro-Israel, a huge number and uh, percentage of their population are not on the same page about that. And I think if you don't make a clear stance about it, it's kind of like, assumed that everyone's okay with what's going on.
1: We can see that there's a lot of fear within the establishment of these alternate media sources and of these protests, because they are being shut down and repressed in Europe especially, not here in the U.S. as much. Um, But still, we saw that in Florida, Ron DeSantis said that he wanted to ban all SJPs from campuses, all Students for Justice in Palestine from campuses. We see on Meta on Instagram that they banned Ion Palestine, which is where a lot of people got news about what was yeah. happening with us and being able to see it firsthand.
0: And what would you say, beside obviously the the given like protesting, sharing posts on social media, being vocal, what would you say are the most effective ways of actually contributing to this? Because I think a lot of people do struggle with that when it comes to these, they feel helpless in the face of everything because they feel they can't do much. What would you say are those things that actually do something?
1: I think something that's really important is joining an organization. Joining an organization that you see is aligns with your values and is doing the work that you think is important um, and turning back to your community and trying to mobilize the community and make us stronger. Because I think after, our, I, there's so much repression within our communities where people are scared to associate with one another, scared to come together, um, and also a lot of different opinions, but we have to, show ourselves in a unified front um, and work together first.
0: We have the numbers and if we truly were united, all of us, I think we have huge power, whether it's through boycott or anything else, to actually enact lasting change. So I'm, I'm curious, like I know you probably know more about this, but where would you say maybe some of that fear comes from?
1: Our parents coming here faced so much repression, so much intimidation. Especially in a time where there weren't really big communities here, and I think that fear has been passed down. And we also think about post-9/11. There was so much repression of the Muslim communities, of the Arab communities, um, any honestly, Desi community, Iranian community, anything that is Middle Eastern. um, Yeah,
0: that's definitely. I would agree. That's a huge one. People feeling and yet with
1: the Patriot Act being enacted, um, there are people who were just arrested for playing paintball in Virginia and had to serve, I can't remember the name of it, I think they were, I can't remember what the name of them. But yeah, they were arrested, they were just honestly just playing paintball for fun and the US regime um, forced one of them to say that they were practicing to go fight for ISIS just to basically be a scapegoat. There have been
0: so many examples yeah. like this too, like sting operation mm-hmm. where like, mm-hmm. you know, people are manipulated to say a certain narrative that would for example justify certain reactions uh with law enforcement that was exactly what happened with the war in, war in iraq too the whole like fabrication of evidence so that we can justify and i think what really scares people is that this is hap- this has been happening to palestine and is happening to palestine as well with like very blanket excuses that oh Like this is, this is the reality and you can't challenge it. And so based on this premise, everything we're doing is justified, whether it's, you know, a fake video or whether it's like, you know, fake evidence or like 40 babies, you know, beheaded, like lies. And Mm -hmm. it's so scary that something like this can be so easily manipulated and go under the radar, quite scary if you think about the. Consequences of what this could mean for even future conflict
1: one thing I wanted to add though to the the last question about the Muslims kind of being I think it's it's hurtful to say that a lot of the Muslims aren't acting when we see a lot of Muslims going into the streets in their own countries, but they're also facing heavy, heavy repression from their own regimes mm-hmm. um so for them to come out for Palestine even is something huge, I think. A lot of people think that the Ummah is divided, but I really feel like um, amongst the people is really united. It's just, we have regimes that we're, fear, that we're fearful of that try to divide us because they know that together, that we're stronger because of their, their strength and their platform comes from their relationship with the U.S. and their normalization with Israel.
0: Exactly. And I think that's the reality check is it's not just about Palestine. And I'm really thankful that you connected this to something so much bigger. It's not just about Palestine. It's about the concept of resisting oppression. And that's a reality because people awaken to this stuff and it kind of gives them hope. So I think kind of to close the conversation um, and kind of connect it to what you just said, which was so beautiful. uh, What do you think this means for the future of Palestine right now. What do you think the future looks like, whether it's the short term or the long term? How do you foresee it?
1: I have no idea, honestly. Only God knows. Um, I can only say what I hope I see in the future um, because I'm not a geopolitical analyst. You are now. (laughs) Um, I can make (laughs) predictions. I can give you. I'll change my title. But I just hope that it causes an awakening of the people, uh, allows them to unite. You saw what happened in Algeria with the people fighting against the French. And they were, with respect (laughs) to their military, they were weaker by a lot. And they were able to kick out the French by sheer will Mm -hmm. um, and sheer strength. Everyone talks about peace, but we can't have peace without justice and equality for everyone. And everyone having the same opportunities. Um, So that's inshallah what I hope to see. um, somewhere where all the Palestinian refugees are able to go back to their homeland. With all the fear that I have, I still have the hope, I try to maintain the hope because it's not something that I'm going to let any regime, any colonizer take away from me. Um, I think it's important to maintain that hope, even though it's horrible if that hope does not come true and those dreams and wishes don't come true, but something to help keep fighting um, and keep pushing forward.
0: Absolutely, and I think the hope is what we are all seeing on this side of the world from the videos that are coming from the Palestinian people. It's, um, I think it brings us to tears when we see how much strength and resilience they have and the hope they have in that situation, which you would argue is the worst that anyone has seen. And it's, it's a huge lesson, I think, for us living on this side of the world with the privilege that we do have, seeing how strong and hopeful someone can be when they have, you know, Faith in their hearts for, you know, God is watching, God sees, and at the end, justice will definitely prevail. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really am so happy you were able to make it. I appreciate that you shared your experiences with me, um, and I pray that you and your family are, you know, have some ease of mind despite all the difficulty, that inshallah everything will be okay.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on and giving voices to Palestinians.